Hello friends. Today, Dr. Shirley Prater will share her story and help us break open the stigma attached to homelessness. Hello, you're listening to the Women of Awe, Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Adrienne Dillard. The Women of Awe podcast is a podcast that celebrates the everyday woman who in her everyday activities has exhibited action when needed, wisdom as required, and excellence as a routine to make life better for herself, her family, and or her community. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Welcome, Dr. Shirley Prater. I'm delighted to have you on the Women of All podcast. Can you take a moment to share with my listeners what it is you do and where your passion is? I am first a servant of God. I love to help God's people out where I can, when I can. My passion is to help those less fortunate than myself. And I have a nonprofit, 501C nonprofit organization called Alabaster Box Inc. Our motto is helping those to help themselves. Alabaster Box. What exactly do you do at Alabaster Box? As opposed to, you know, how most of us, where you see a homeless and they, they get them off the street and they say you have to find something within 30 days. We know that that it really is impossible for us to find something in 30 days, let alone someone that has a house here. You can search six months or whatever. Someone that doesn't have that the resources to go out and find that. This is what our, our mission in life for those that are less fortunate, those that have fell off the mark and need that. They need that bump. Ours is a year. You have them for a year. What do you do with them in that year? We give them the tools to help themselves. We don't do them for them. We give them the tools to help themselves to do it. Can you share what kind of tools you give them? What we we stri- what we're striving to do is, you know, when we go out there, first of all, we go out into the community and we feed. You know, we don't, of course, we're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to make sure that they get fed both ways. But what we don't want to do is push it so much on them that they run. We want to be able to pull them in with love and let them see the love and let them be able to eat without saying, you need Jesus, you need need this. No, 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 no. That's not how we work. We work with kindness. We work with love and gentleness. We don't mind how they come in. We don't mind where they're at. We don't mind. We come to help. We are not to judge, but we are coming to help them. When they feel that love, that light, and see that light that you have, it helps to draw so that they can get answers. Maybe they might not come back. They might not come back that next month or that next day, but we're planting a seed. And once you plant that seed, you give it enough room to grow where they'll be sitting there thinking about what, when I went there, I felt something different. They, they're different from what I'm used to. And that's what we Alabaster Box is about, breaking open that 
stigma and we're not in that box we're out we're doing market we're doing marketplace we're not that actual thing where it's all to get it's when you hear of oh we're feeding the homeless no we're, i'm sorry we're different we're, we're different we're different okay. all right let's let's go back to the tools because you mentioned you give them tools so that they can find a place to live once you've planted that seed and that seed is growing they decide to come back to you for help what exactly do you do for them? What we first do is we sit down and we have a conversation to see where they're at, to see well, how did you get to where you are? What happened? And the tool, the greatest tool that we need to learn is listening. Listen to where they're at. And then from that point, we have the bullet points of how you got to where you are. Now we're going to put this in to your personal folder. And we're gonna start making goals, a one-day goal, a five-day goal, a two-week goal, and keep going and building and building until they build up their confidence enough so that we can work on why they drop. We're, we're building up back the love. We're building back up the confidence. We're building back up. So the tools that they need is, first of all, they need that love and they need that kindness. They need that help. We also help them mentally, psychologically, also drug rehabilitation. Mental health is a big, big epidemic in our world. It has been, but it's just coming to light since the pandemic. And it's been, it's been really seeing so much of it now more than ever. It has always been in there. So what we do is help them recognize where they are. And if they need to be on any type of medication, we will have them go where they have to, you know, we provide the transportation, get the doctors, have them come into our facility, make sure that they're going to um, their, their necessary treatments, having, um, if they need to be on medication, if they need to have a therapist and talk to their, which they do, anyone that is living on the streets for a certain amount of time and anybody because I've worked and I've been there myself that's why it's close to my heart and we do that a little bit at a time so that tool they can say okay she told me this and it was done they told me that and it was done I'm on some medication it's helping me to gain clarity although we don't like to have people on medication sometimes it will get them through to get them a moment of clarity to say aha, and they'll, they're able to go and step ahead and do some of the things. They might not get it all there. We that don't have the mental illness, we don't get it all there at times. So imagine the, the ones that, that have that, that issue or that drug issue, once they get into those tools where we have set up with the counselors, with the therapists, with the um, drug rehabilitation counselors and all of the other ones, they have that moment of clarity and they're, they're able to go with the, the goals that we have set for them. We don't set them. We ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want to be in five years? What do you want to be in two years? What do you want to be a year after you've done this program? Okay, a year after you've done the program. That means they essentially get two years to recover and get to a place where they can live on their own, right? Yes. Alabaster Box almost sounds like a big box store where you can get pretty much everything you need 
to get your life back on track. Is Alabaster Box for anyone who is homeless, regardless of whether it's a family or an individual? What's um, different about our program is that we take in families. We'll have a, a side where there's family, mother, father, daughter, son. We have a section for the single men, section for the single women, and section for you have no clue how many children that are out in the streets because of what happened to them at home. And we have a section for the children and as well as getting um, police officers or private um, security to come in to make sure that nothing happens in between those where they're protected. They're in the safe haven. And right. some of the people that come out of the streets, you know, you have to fight for everything. You've got to fight. And some of the, that mentality, we have to be aware and we have to protect ourselves as well as protecting them. So having them in different areas of the building makes it easier so that this is the family unit. You, If you're not in the family unit, you are not allowed in this part of the building. If you're a single man, you are not allowed in the single women's unit. You're definitely not allowed in the children's unit. So we have that separated so that they know this is, you have to make sure that there is a consistency of them knowing that we have a stringent and a, a tactical plan that is to be carried out every day. The Alabaster Box is a facility that houses everyone? That's the goal. I relocated. So what I am doing now is trying to find a building where I just relocated. But, um, but right now in the heart of Baltimore City, it is very, very much needed. When I went to go scope out the land and I began to see, I began to weep. Because so many, and people just walk past like they're no one. They are someone. They, they have a say. They are members of society that just happen to drop off or maybe have mental illness or something might have happened to them. And that's where we come in to make them productive members of society again. Thank you, Dr. Shirley, for doing this. Many of us have had family members out there on the street in the past, and some of us still have family members on the street. And just as you've said, most of us walk by them and don't give them a second thought. I'm truly thankful that you have the heart to not just acknowledge them, but to help them. You mentioned that you started Alabaster Box because of something you had experienced? Yes, yes. I have experienced um, homelessness. My first book, which is called The Prezi Cost of the Anointing, it details it very, very, a lot of people don't like to hear the truth. Unfortunately, uh, people, they don't want, they want to hear something so glamorous and, and they want, they want that, oh, that is, oh, that's, she's such a, but you don't, you don't know the price that you have to pay to get to that glamorous thing. And unfortunately, I ate out of trash cans. I lived homeless. I lived in the um, bottom of the stairs or in cars cold with an infant. 
um, um, living, living in boiler rooms to get, to get warm with me and my firstborn son, making sure going to walking distances, long periods of time, making sure I have enough water because I, I breastfed my son, my firstborn, and getting in the trash can, seeing people throw things away in the McDonald's trash can that was looked like it was good and taking pieces off, making sure that I got nutrients so that my baby could get nutrients. I knew that much, you know, I'm not ashamed to tell my story. And a lot of people say, oh, that's so dark. That's so dark. If that's what you want to call it, then you're entitled to your opinion. But I'm giving you a story that where I was, I can identify with a lot of people. And it wasn't a short period of time. I was was an 18-year-old, 19 years old going through homelessness because of a situation that happened in my home that was supposed to be, that caused me to go out and become the way that I was. And experiencing that, being raped, being robbed, being um, all of that stuff while out on the streets is something that you are not prepared for and you're just looking for something and a safe haven so what do you do you go to the you go and you go with a group of people or you might join a gang like I did because you want to have that oh I'm gonna I, I need this because I don't know what else to do I need somewhere to stay jumping from house to house when I did jump and having a child with me okay how all right I can't even imagine, really. That is far removed from anything I would know. How did you, as a young person, 19, 20 years old, get out of that? What I did was I did not know about welfare. I did not know about any of those things. And I had someone, a stranger, and I called them an angel. I have no clue who that person is to this day. Um, that's why we, we, we should often be very nice to whomever we greet because you never know who you are speaking with. Um, and to this person, I have never heard, this was, my son is 32 years old now. Um, this was over 32 years ago. And so my mindset was almost to the breaking point where I was like, I want to kill myself. I don't know what else to do. So I'm walking, my feet are hurting. I've got my baby, and this was in the winter time, wrapped up in my little coat and had him in my shirt, um, in my, you know, inside of my shirt, wrapped up in the coat. And she came over and she said, are you hungry? And I said, yes. And she said, what is in your jacket? I said, my baby. And she said, let's go to this this shelter. That's the day my life was changed. Because I stayed there and she told me, she dropped me off and she said, you will be blessed. And I looked at her. And at that point in my mindset, in my mindset, I'm like, I love God. But how I was treated when I was in that home because I did come from, I was adopted. 
and that leadership that was supposed to be over me, they continue. I was abused as a, I was sexually molested in my own um, family. And then when my mother was deemed unfit to care for the rest of us, we were put up for adoption. I will say the thing that came out of it, I met Jesus. And so when I had to go through that process of being homeless and I met that that woman who introduced me to an, a woman who has passed away that had a shelter and I stayed there and she treated me like her daughter. And she had so many people in there that she fed, she loved up on. And I looked at her and she would say, Shirley, are you okay? Is the baby, give me the baby. And she would take the baby. She said, you go take a nap. I got the baby, but I was so protective because I didn't want anyone to hurt my baby like they hurt me. I was so protective. And I'm, no, I'll take it, she said. And she put her hand. And for whatever reason, I felt peace. And I said, okay, okay, I'll go to sleep. I woke up and I, w and I, I was discombobulated for a minute. Okay, where am I? Where's my baby? And immediately she was right there. And this lady, I, I, when I say I seen black, white, Asian, all of them stayed there. For as however long you wanted, she taught me how to be a mother. She taught me how to clean myself up. She said, where you are, I'll never forget the words. Where you are is not where you're going to end up. Okay, how long did you stay there? I was there for about seven months. All right. Once you left there, then where did your path lead? Well, well she helped me get, um, I got my driver's license. I was able to get a job. I was able to sustain myself. I had money and it motivated me because I had a son. And so after I left there, she was the one that helped me get my first efficiency. Wow, that is tremendous. What a powerful story. And you said she has since passed away. She's passed. It's been over 20 years since she's oh, passed wow. away. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I went back to the place where it was. It's no longer there. And I said, you know what? One day I'm going to bring that back because she's the one. She was the one that got me where I am today. There are always angels. Yes. And you definitely had a couple of them right there in that situation. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Because I, I slept under, we slept under trees in the park. You know, anyone could have done anything in the area we were. Slept in abandoned cars. My fingers and toes were freezing. There would, there would be a couple of people that would let me sleep in their houses, you know, to get warm because they felt sorry for the baby. I would go into a local um, apartment building, go into the boiler room when I knew that the maintenance guy was gone to get us out, get us warm and just sit there and make in for you know, God knows my son did not cry a lot. I breastfed him. I didn't have pampers. So, you know, whatever clothes or whatever I had before I went to this particular, I, I put it on and did what I had to do. That's why Alabaster Box was really birthed. If I'm, it, I'm thinking about it now, and it brings me tears from those two women. Mm -hmm. 
those two angels that were in my life and the one that treated me like I've never been treated in looking for a mother. My mother abused me. So when she started showing me that love and making me feel better and then me going to work, I didn't have a car at first. I was walking and she would tell me, bring the baby by. I know you got to go to work. You ain't got to pay me nothing. I would get up and be like, and I, I would just hug her, just hug her and tell her how much I loved her. And when I went on, I went on and I got my first car it was a stick. I did not know how to drive it. I said, somebody should have told me because I couldn't get the thing going right. And, and even in that, when I got the little red car, little white car with the red stripes on it, the man told me, oh, $1,000. I said, sir, I don't have $1,000. I said, can you, can you work with me? And then I told him the name of the shelter. Um, he said, oh, you know what? I'll give it to you for $600. Get out of here. And I'm looking at him like, okay. And guess who gave me 150 of it towards it? Of course she did. Yes. Yeah, of course she did. What yes. was her name? Do you, can you remember? Her name. And she's, it, it, it's... I want to say um, Mrs. Clarice, okay. Mrs. Right. Clarice, and um, I know she's not with us, but I still would just like to give props. You know, yeah, so yeah, and she and all the people you helped. She, she, she did a number on me because I did not trust. I did not. I did not. My faith in God um, was. Uh, what I'll say is the cycle of sexual abuse, mental abuse, and verbal abuse um, went on in the church world where I was. And so with that being said, Miss Clarice, she helped me um, in a way where it broke those barriers. And I saw her love. Everybody was treated the same. She would tell them, well, don't you drink today. Don't you, don't you go out there and drink. Don't you go, the different ones I would hear her say and, and I'm a person that watch, it's, na it's natural for me to just watch the person because of what I've been, been through. So I watch that gift of discernment kicks in and I'm sitting there, I'm just watching. And I would see her and they would come in drunk and she's like, all right, go on and lay down. Here's something to eat, go on and lay down, but we're gonna talk tomorrow. She didn't kick him out. She gave him a place to stay. Wow. And that's where my foundation is built on. What advice could you give someone who might be experiencing some of the challenges, some of any one or multiple challenges that you've experienced? Is, are there any words of advice that you can give them that can maybe help them get through? What can you share with them? You know what? Don't give up. Your angel is right in front of you. All you have to do is open your mouth. They will help you. Your angel is right there. You can do it. You will make it. I should have lost my mind. I could have lost my mind. I could have lost my children. I could not. I, I'm a two-time author. I own two businesses. I am a singer. I am a doctor. And I came from being homeless. Well, like Ms. Cleary said, where you are now is not where you're going to end up. You are better than where you're, you don't, you might not see it right now, 
but I'm going to tell you, you're going to meet your angel. And the one thing that I want to really, really get through to those that are experienced any type of trauma, any type of homelessness, any type of thing that will cause your mind to alter and not trust is ask for help. That's the most important thing is to ask, what is the worst that can happen? They say, no, someone is out there that will help you. And if not, I will help you. <laughs> oh my, wow. Thank you, thank you. Asking for help is difficult. And yes. especially when they're in particular situations, but it's very important when they're in those situations, they need to be able to ask for help. You just mentioned that you would help them. Can you give us a way for the listeners to contact you if they need to contact you? Oh, yes, I have my group um, set up. You can um, contact, contact at alabasterboxinc at gmail.com. And one of my board members will um, get in contact with uh, um, them. I do. Also, I, because this is my, um, this is my baby, Alabaster Bucks, um, we will definitely answer you right away. And I do monitor. I monitor. Um, and if you're in a different state or area, uh, we're on it. We are definitely on it. I want people to know that if you cannot get a hold of, I know resources. I know some people that if you're in a different state, give me a minute and we can make sure that you get the help and you get the, um, the tools that you need to get you where you need to. If I could come up and be there, I would definitely, if there was clones, I would definitely be there because I have been where you are. You are based out of Maryland, correct? I, I just moved from New Jersey and I transitioned. I'm getting ready to get married. I transitioned. It, I'm, I was in Jersey. Now I'm looking for, I'm trans, transferring my, not from the IRS, but my licenses to Maryland. I'm out looking for buildings right now so that I can uh, be about his work. Yes. All right. Well, congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Can you take a moment or two to tell us what it means to you to be a woman of awe? Oh, my God. Uh, I thank you for having me on and my dear friend, Dr. Deirdre, for um, recommending me. I'm ecstatic. I don't consider my woman of awe. I love to help people. I have been rejected so many times by so many people because they look at me and or they looked at me and rejection, you know, when rejection sets in, you feel like everybody is against you. You feel like nobody wants you. But I'm here to tell you that rejection, throw that away because it's no longer in and it feels awesome to me for a woman of all to be able to share my story so someone can say, if she can do it, I know I can do it. Fantastic. And by the way, I can't believe that you said you're nothing special and you don't consider yourself a woman of awe. Look at how many people you're planning to help. Look at how many people you've already helped. Also, someone recommended you for the podcast. That means that you have shown that you're awesome to someone. 
Oh, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I do, I try to do things humbly and, and make sure that I stay in that humble place because being humble is where you can just sit and, and just look at what good things God can do and, yeah. and, and being, and not just God human looking, being, being, a being human, looking out for a fellow uh, fellow people it doesn't matter what it, just looking out for the needs of everybody else and making sure if I have it and you don't have it here's what I have to give to you so both of us can have once again you just reinforced why you're on the podcast <laughs> oh yeah thank you Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Dr. Shirley. I've taken up enough of your time. I wish you all the best with the Alabaster Box. Okay. I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, I do have uh, my podcasts. I do have my books um, out if you want to go. They're all they're on all of your um, digital outlets. Um, the Pricey Cost of the Anointing, as well as Married to the Counterfeit. Um, they're out there and my, my podcast, which is also kind of connected to Alabaster Box, is Life Successful Forums. Can you say it again? What's the name of your podcast? Life Successful Forums. Life Successful yes. Forums? Yes, but I definitely, I'm honored that you, I am on your podcast. You are great. I, I appreciate you. I think you're awesome. <laughs> Um, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm sure we'll probably cross each other's paths again. All right. Well, you take care. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on the Women of All Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. If you are a woman of all or know someone who you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please contact me via email womenofawe at adriandillard.com or you can post to our Facebook page. Always remember to be the best you that you can be. That is the best path to excellence. I hope you can join us next week. Please don't forget to support us by subscribing and leaving a review.